Today's episode of The Seamheads is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe to your favorite podcasting app. it off hater in the bottom of the 10th inning and you know where we're going pack your bags folks all aboard next stop pound time and here's the 1-0 pitch to matt swung on launch to left field deep fam going back looking up he will watch it fly and a miraculous comeback by the A's in the ninth is capped by matt chapman's three-run home run and the A's have won the game you're now listening to The C-Meds with Adam Copeland and Ted Ramey, only on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's The C-Meds Podcast. Adam Copeland, Ted Ramey, Rob, the Bermudez Triangle with you on uh, what is sort of a melancholy day, I think. Maybe the most melancholy day we've had since we've started doing The C-Meds Podcast. It is what would be opening day. Instead, they're calling it Fopening Day, Nopening Day. Rob, Ted, what's going on, guys? Uh, just wondering about what might have been. That's my ultimate takeaway, man. And, uh, I think yesterday I just looked around and just said, this sucks. Like I, it just sucks. Like that's, I know it's not taking into account the gravity of the situation, but you know what? It still sucks. It all sucks. Yeah, it's, it, it really does suck. And health is more important than anything, but yeah, I had big plans of being out there opening day, opening night and hopefully talking to players and, and just, being back on the on the field is just there's something about the smell of the Coliseum, fresh cut grass, hot dogs, nachos, Philly cheesesteaks. Like it really is one of those things that growing up, I've always looked forward to opening day and opening night. And I've seen my share of like Felix Hernandez dominating on opening nights. But I also remember Sonny Gray taking the no hitter into I think it was the seventh inning against the Rangers. And then Ryan Rua had to ruin everything. But uh you know, it would have been a really good game, too, because the Twins, I think, are, are a team that's expected to be a very good team and, and compete for the uh, AL Central. So we were kind of uh, shortchanged a little bit because it would have been a great game. Yeah, uh, the, the it sucks thing comes to mind. And for me, Rob, get your beat button ready. Just fuck this, man. Like this, this is really, really awful, dude. Like it's, but like you talk about, you know, Rob was talking about the romance of it, the smell of the grass, the pop of the mitt, the build up to what is opening day that to baseball fans really does feel like a holiday. Like Ozzie Smith has talked about, that should be a national holiday. I think I would err on the side of like making the Monday after the Super Bowl a national holiday more than opening day. But for a baseball fan, the romance is a big thing. But how about just like the change of the weather and the the throw off of like what your internal clock is going through right now? I get to like seven, eight o'clock and there's nothing on TV. There's no sporting event going on, but the sun is still out and there's no baseball. And I'm just I'm getting to a point where it's going to be weird, guys, getting into the summertime with no baseball, at least at the start of it. Yeah, that's what's really weird, man, is the lack of anything to watch at night. And I'm not trying to hate on the various leagues showing replays of great games and stuff, but like it's fun for a second, and then I just come back to like you said, Rob. Fuck this. Like, like I, I it doesn't do anything for me other than like a momentary, like, oh, that was nice. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah. well, like, okay, now what? Like, I, yeah, I yeah. watched a game that I'd already seen. Okay, like, it's just there's, I, I don't know what to do. I like, I like when baseball season ends. 
I often get that. It's like, well, what did I used to do at night? You know? And like, now I feel like it's just kind of that same thing. It's like, well, now what? I don't, I don't want to watch. I started watching the Tiger King, which is disturbing. Uh, but it's not, it's not sports. It's not baseball. And baseball is so unique that it is played every single game. So we got six, seven months that, you know, spring training starts to the end of the, the World Series. It seems like there is a baseball game on every single day, except during the All-Star break, there's a couple days off. And so it really is something that, you know, you get into that rhythm of every night, seven o'clock comes, let me turn the game on. Or, oh, they're on the East Coast, so four o'clock, let me turn the game on. And it really fills up so many hours, like... Between pregame, postgame, and the actual game, we're talking about like four hours a day that are just kind of spent doing something else. And it, it just, yeah, it sucks. It really just sucks. And I miss it. Baseball, come back. Well, let me let me ask you guys this. Um, you're talking about, you know, what we're all going through right now, which is that we've got nothing to watch at night. And as you said, baseball, the daily grind that can get you through just about anything because you have it day in and day out. You have a bummer of a day. You come home four o'clock, seven o'clock. You got a ball game. Do you guys like was opening day special for you? Like uniquely, I know A's fans a lot of the time have the unique feeling that your team's opening on the road, maybe in another country. They've done that a couple of times. Last season was one of them where they opened in early March in uh, in Tokyo. But uh, what, what about you guys? Opening day traditions, Ted, we'll start with you. I think it's just the idea of being able to turn on baseball and have it on all day long. And once that kind of comes into effect, like it is kind of the indication that it's spring and that you're trending towards summer, which means you're also, we've been having fun where we should have been having fun with March Madness, and then the fun kind of doubles down with baseball starting. And for me, it kind of starts at the beginning of March, end of February with soccer getting going. So, like, it's all kind of like this cumulative affair of, like, it's like soccer and March Madness and baseball, and then you're getting into the Masters, you're getting towards NBA and Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, all these things start kind of, kind of logpiling and getting going on each other. And now it's just like, I wouldn't even say we're just, we're stalled. It's like we're just kind of adrift. We're like out in the unknown reaches of the universe because like when there's a work stoppage in a sport, it's limited to baseball or hockey or basketball. Like it doesn't stop everything. And right now everything is stopped. And like for me, baseball was another check mark that's like, all right, we're heading towards the summer to where I'm going to be outside barbecuing with a ball game on the radio. And that's like, that's heaven for me. Being outside with a ball game on the radio, drinking a beer and barbecuing that's literally what I live for, and that's not – we're not trending in that direction in the slightest right now. So I do – like, it's not romantic in the sense of the day in and of itself, but for me it's like we're one step closer to that beautiful summertime when you can go out and barbecue, drink a beer, have a ball game on, and that's, you know, that's uh, as close to a cornfield in Iowa as I'll ever get. The offseason is always really tough for me, and spring training is that first taste, that baseball junkie gets gets their first real hit, and so – you know, it's it's a full month of playing games that don't matter, but you get into it. And by the time spring training is winding down, you get those exhibition games against the Giants. It's always like, man, I'm just ready for real baseball. I'm ready for the games to count. I'm, I'm fully, fully locked in. It's it's that ramp up from spring training. Very excited. And as, as spring continues, I get more and more excited for the regular season. And and to have the semi buildup of a few games and and cactus league this year and then having it stop and even once baseball does return it's not going to just be uh, at least i don't think it's just going to be all right we have games now it'll probably be at least a, a week or two to try to get players like the rest of their spring training and try to get some inning limits up and and 
get guys stretched out. So it just it feels like everything fell off a cliff. Like the anticipation was building, 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 and didn't slowly come down. It was building, building, and then hit a brick wall, stopped completely. And you know we had a lot of fun last season hanging out on on getaway games, watching you know a nice twelve thirty seven start time at the Coliseum, soaking up some sun, watching baseball, talking to players. Like it, it's things like that that even when games are being played as long as i know the results like it's it's hard for me to watch it with much uh much enthusiasm when i know exactly what's going to happen so i just can't wait for it to be back well yeah for me it's it's like you said ted for me it's it's having baseball on all day and usually on opening day you get that from 9am or 9:30am because day games on the east coast have already got going so i'm into that i'm into getting off work early generally the a's are uh, playing a night game i know the last couple of years or maybe it was last season they started doing an an opening day but they've opened on the road a handful of times the giants open on the road a lot so generally baseball opening day for me is i pick up some hot dogs, some hot links, some peanuts, some beer, and I just hang at home and I watch games, which is no joke what I've done for today. I picked up some hot links and uh, and I got some peanuts and I'm going to sit around and watch some old games. I got Ray's White Sox, the Mark Burley perfect game on TV right now uh, just to try to try to get my Jones in, right, get my fix in to, to try to tide me over until we get some real ball. But part of what's been lost for us is, is the fun that is building up to opening day is everybody goes through their lineups. Everybody after spring training is done. You've got position battles. You've got rookies. You've got young guys that you're hoping might make the team and break camp, and then guys who just don't get it done, and maybe they're cut from the organization. We thought maybe it'd be fun today. It was Rob's idea that we just sort of run through who we're hoping to see in an opening day lineup if and when we get going. So um, I figure that's that's kind of a, a maybe a way to put a Band-Aid on the cut that is opening day or lack thereof this year. Uh, Rob, since it was your idea, you want to get going on, on what a uh, an A's lineup would look like for you on opening day this season? Yeah, I'll start with uh, the starting pitcher because it would be a home game and the first thing we'd be seeing would be uh, nasty stuff from Jesus Lazardo. I know everyone wants to see Mike Fires because he was blowing the whistle on the Astros sign-stealing scandal. He's He started opening Too, day too short, blow the whistle. Yes, blow the whistle. Oh, man, I'm, I'm sure. Dude, he's got to start coming out to that or something, right? That would be all time if Mike Fires pulled that. A new strikeout stinger. I'll make sure it happens. Yeah. Cause you do, don't you run some of the music there? <laughs> I do. I do. And oh, so Rob, I, we got to work that in. Bro. I we had, have to work that in. I had a bunch of things ready to go for the Astros when they came to town, playing like different drum solos and banging on trash can <laughs> yeah, sounds for every time they'd strike out. Some stomp, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Some, old, uh, some stomp on Broadway. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the guy that I was most excited to see pitch in this entire season is Jesus Lazardo because we've seen the stuff. At the end of last season in September, it's just absolutely lethal. 97 with movement, painting the corners, the filthy changeup that just even big league hitters. Like I've seen him when he was in Stockton last year on rehab. Uh, he just made hitters look completely foolish. But you'd say, you know, these are players in high A. Of course he's going to make them look foolish. And then he comes up to the big leagues and his changeup is just as filthy. I mean, he's a guy that we're talking about legitimate, not just top of the rotation, but one of those top 15 pitchers in baseball that you gets that ace title 
Um, that's what I think Jesus Lazardo is is going to be for the A's moving forward if he can stay healthy. So I was really excited to see him. I knew he wasn't going to get the opening day start. I think Bob Melvin had said that guys like Puck and Lazardo, although they have great stuff, would probably be worked in later in the rotation. They wouldn't be a one or a two right off the, the start of the season. But um, Jesus Lazardo is the guy I was excited for. I think we know at first, second, and short, or first, third, and short, we're going to see Matt Olson. We're going to see Matt Chapman, and we're going to to see Marcus Simeon the second base battle was starting to heat up right before things uh kind of disappeared into nothingness Franklin Barreto was starting to heat up Tony Kemp had put up decent numbers and and Mateo was also starting to heat up a little bit but um you know I would assume if, if we were playing the the twins that it would be uh one of their right-handed starters either Breos or Odorizzi so I think Tony Kemp would get the nod at second base but I really want to see Franklin Barreto not just a platoon guy playing against left-handed starters, but I want to see Franklin Bredo get a chance to play at least sixty percent of the games at second base. Well, and Rob, uh, you got to you got to get some wear out of that jersey, dude. We got to get Bredo on the roster, man. We got to get you. You got to get out there in the Bredo gamer, bro. Before before it's too late. I I know. I'm probably one of actually. They probably only made like <laughs> ten Franklin Bredo jerseys, yeah, and I got, got one of them. One of them. Yeah, that's great. Dude. I love that. <laughs> I love the obscure gamer. It's a good. It's a good look. Yeah, and and behind the plate, I think we're all excited to see Sean Murphy have a full season healthy. He's a guy that uh, we know what he can do with the glove. We we know he's got the cannon arm. We also saw glimpses of what he can do offensively. I mean, the power is there. The the ability to control the strike zone is something he showed in the minors with strong walk rates and strikeout rates. So I'm excited to see him continue to, to make adjustments at the big league level. And in the outfield, you know, Ramon Laureano might be – the most exciting player on the A's. I know Matt Chapman is a better defensive player and and is probably a a better player than Loriano, but in terms of just pure excitement, hustling, turning a single into a double, hosing guys at at third base and at home, like Ramon Loriano is the human highlight reel on this team. And so I would definitely have him starting in center field with Mark Canna in right field. And I know Robbie Grossman would probably be the assumed starter in left field, but I think what we saw from Seth Brown in spring training and, and from last year, he's a guy that, you know, a guy that you really want to root for. He works hard. He's grinded for every opportunity he's got, hits the ball hard. I know he had over 30 home runs in AAA and then he didn't hit any in the big leagues, but he's a guy that I think was is ready to break out and, and be – if not an everyday player, at least the strong side of a platoon in left field. So, And Chris Davis, I think we want to see him bounce back from a rough 2019, so he'd be the starting DH for me. Tournaments have been canceled. Leagues are suspended. There has not been a live game on TV in what feels like a year, even though it's been barely more than weeks. There's no better reminder of how important sports are to our lives than to take them away completely. But The Athletic is still home to 400 of the best sports writers out there. And in these very strange, very uncertain times, they are still hard at work doing excellent reporting and telling unique, engaging, informative stories. Like one about Brazilian soccer legend Ronaldinho being in a Paraguayan jail right now. Or how the situation between Todd Gurley and the Rams was beyond repair. Or how minor league baseball players are getting financial support from their big league counterparts. Or about Adam Sandler being a pickup basketball sniper. It's during times like these that The Athletic can help keep you connected to the teams, the athletes, and the sports you love. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. 
And if you go to theathletic.com slash seamheads, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Games aren't being played right now, but the stories that draw us all to sports, those don't go away. So go to theathletic.com slash seamheads for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Uh, Ted, do you have anything different in your lineup? I mean, the thing with, with I, I know Rob wants to see Barreto out there, Seth Brown is somebody you like to see. There's not going to be a whole lot of variance, I think, in picking the difference in which lineup you'd want to see on opening day versus a righty or a lefty would be the difference. But as Rob pointed out, if it were the Twins, it probably would have been Berrios or it would have been Jake Odorizzi. I think what I'm looking at here is is just how impressive it is that the A's have so much continuity up and down the lineup, and that speaks to the youth of the of the organization. It speaks to how much depth they've built with what they did on the starting lineup. But if you go back to the A's opening day in Japan last year, they went Loriano, Chapman, Piscotti, Davis. Pinder was in left field last year. Matt Olson at first before he had the Hammett bone surgery, and then they came back to Oakland to play the – who they put open up against the Angels maybe when they played in Oakland last year. Um, I don't think uh, – Matt. Uh, uh, Matt Olson played in that game, but you had Profar at second. Uh, you had Marcus Semien at short, obviously. And Nick Hundley started the game behind the plate, but Josh Fegley came into the game a little bit later. Um, I, I think having this team back together, and we've talked about it at length on the podcast, you add depth to the pitching uh, core. You try to get some of the young guys up. And honestly, I think playing short in season this year is going to benefit some of these guys like Lazardo and potentially A.J. Puck. But, Ted, your thoughts on an opening day lineup and, and maybe the comparisons to last season? Yeah, I mean, not that much of a change. Obviously, no more jerks in Profar, who I think we hated on maybe a little bit too much, but sometimes he just made some plays that just were staggeringly uh, unbased. It was just like, dude, have you played baseball before? But um, I'm a little bit different than Rob. I've got Grossman and left because I think that you want a little bit of that stability and then see what's there, go with the established veteran, and then if it's not there, then maybe you start playing Brown a little bit more. I don't have a qualm with him having Brown out there and left. I think that's fine. Um, I do have Mike Fires as my starting pitcher because I want to give a big middle finger to the rest of baseball, and I think Bob Melvin should do more to kind of establish. Like, if the, if the Houston Astros are the villains, then maybe have the A's be the thorn in everyone's side. Like, the Yankees, like they, I, I don't even know if they are a villain anymore. Same thing with the Red Sox. Like I think the whole, you know, who we view as the good guys and the bad guys in baseball is kind of hard to really do these days. But I, I would like the A's to be, instead of like, oh, the A's, they're cute, have them be like, you know, have them be a bunch of, uh, you know, the thorns in everyone's side. Have a, a team that other teams dislike. Because I feel like there's way too much, like, indifference about the A's. Like, I'd rather have guys and people around the league hate the A's. So put Mike Fires out there. I do have Barreto starting at second, so Rob's probably going to love to hear that because at this point I'm like, we'll find out. Like, just find out what's there. Like, I know Rob is big on prospects. Like, prospects to yeah. me, like, do it or shut the fuck up. Like, I don't care what you've done <laughs> in college. I don't care what you've done at AAA. That's not, like, my whole thing is like, oh, you should see what he can, like, it's when people start getting into of what they're capable of, I'm like, yeah, but have they done it? Like, yeah, how many guys do we hear done that about? We hear that about guys yeah, all the time. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah. yeah, you can flip a coin on so many draft picks, and it's like, so do it. Like, I don't. Like, it's great that they've done it at lower levels, but do it in the pros. Like, put Barreto out there if he can do it. Great. If he can't, then you know, just figure out what you're going to do with him going forward. But don't put him in the lineup. Um, yeah, outfield pretty much the same as as Rob. Like I said, the the difference with me was Grossman, but yeah, Canna, Loriano. Uh, Chris Davis, hope you have a, ba a bounce back. But 
Um, one through nine, Simeon Loriano, Chapman Olson, Canna, Davis, Grossman, Barreto, Murphy, and then Mike Fires is my starting pitcher. So I don't think I've broken the mold with anything too crazy there, but it is a pretty damn good lineup. And in terms of what I was really excited to see, I want to see more Murphy. I really liked what we saw out of him last year, and he his buildup this year was maybe a little bit overshadowed by Jesus Lazardo and A.J. Puck, but that was a guy who I saw, and it's like, dude, the potential – with that player is crazy. So, and we saw it a little bit of the bigs at the end of last year. So I was really excited to see him. And also if a bounce back from uh, KD was po- possible. So it's again, it's, it's this wait and see, except we're waiting for a date that nobody knows about. It's just, it's very, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. A couple of things, though, about that. Uh, the Mike Fires thing, like, it's interesting that you're saying, like, kind of middle finger to the rest of the league, run him out there, I want to see him pitch. But don't you think the rest of the league, and I think fans across baseball, are appreciative of Mike Fires? Like, I don't think that he's viewed as some villain or some guy who shouldn't have spoke out. Like, maybe across baseball with some guys in locker rooms, but even with players, I feel like ultimately they think this was was something that maybe even if they wouldn't have done it themselves, they're glad Mike Fires came forward. I don't, I don't see yeah, him as a I- villain. Well, then why did Big Poppy, the uh, hypocrite of all hypocrites, come out there and talk smack about him? And why well, there did, you go. You know, I Jessica, mean, he, Jessica, but, but Jessica Mendoza had to be, she had to walk back her comments. Like, I think there is an underlying uh, animosity towards Mike Fires, and people view it as some sort of violation of, uh, you know, the, the, the hidden codes of baseball or the unwritten rules or whatever. There was a poll that they did, and I think it was like 54% of the big leaguers that they, that they asked said, like, Mike Fires overstepped his bat, or he he broke a, a clubhouse rule by talking about something with a you know after he left the team he didn't just keep it in the organization. So it it is kind of I think split fifty fifty. I think there's guys that definitely are happy that the game is being quote unquote cleaned up and you're getting that type of stuff out of baseball. But then you have the other other half that say you know although what he said was helping baseball, we still feel like. You know, as a guy that you were in a locker room with him, you shared him, you you thought he was your brother. For him to come out like that, it just rubbed me the wrong way. So I, I think it's a little more split than, than like, well, the overwhelming majority are in favor of Mike Fires and, and everyone else, just a handful of people are a little upset. Well, I don't, I don't dispute that. And, and I think if you were to poll baseball players anonymously, that's what I'm saying is even if guys were not going to publicly say, uh, I, I think this was wrong of him to come out because then it makes you look bad and you're seeing the backlash that they get. But Ted was talking about Mike Fires and the A's being viewed as villains at some point. And I, my thought is, number one, this isn't like a playbook situation in the NFL where somebody left the team and gave the playbook away, right? It's not like that happened. The other part of this is villains to me are created by fans. Right. I get the media has something to do with it and on field stuff has something to do with it. But if you're a villain, it's because guys on the field are unlikable or guys like to run their mouth or it's the way like Bumgarner and Puig would get into it. Right. You run across the mound and a guy gets yelled at or Alex Rodriguez would do cheap BS like that, like knock the ball out of somebody's hand or run across the mound after he flies out. Things like that, I think, make you a villain. But I I, I just don't know that Mike Fires, from a fan standpoint, is going to be viewed that way. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've heard. A surprising amount of fans out there say that they thought that he shouldn't have said anything. And they said that I don't think they have a full understanding that people in baseball had gone to Major League Baseball and nothing had been done. Right. Because this wasn't Rob Manfred is a yeah, he's a crony of Bud Selig. They're all cowards. They don't want to get in the way of the money. So it took a guy like Mike Fires to go out and say something because Bob Melvin went out there and said, yes, we had said something to baseball and nothing was happening. I don't think enough people understand that. So there is this 
underlying animosity towards him. So I you know, say embrace it. I, I think also to put Mike Fires out there on opening day is a sign of organizational strength of we're going to stand behind this guy and F you if you're out there and you don't like him. Like I Again, I like the idea of the A's being antagonists. I do like sending the message that, you know, hey, Mike, we got your back. We're 100% supportive. We've, we know you did the right thing and we're here to support you. I get that. I just, if I asked you not who's starting opening day, but if I said you got one game to watch, the A's are going to play one game this season, who do you want to start to see who's the most entertaining pitcher on their starting rotation? I, I think none of us would pick Mike Fires. No, no, I would, I would be with you. I'd pick Jesus Lazardo. I might pick Sean Manaya before I took uh, Mike Fires. That's and yeah. I'd pick Frankie Montas before I picked Mike Fires too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, hey, before we get out today, uh, something we, that we should kick around just because uh, if you haven't seen it, Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic had a, uh, a good article the other day about the the proposal from uh, baseball owners and uh, the players' union to kind of discuss what could potentially happen if they start the season later. Well, they will start the season later than today, but just how late in the year they could start the season. Now, there's been a couple of things sort of proposed and kicked around uh, in the last day or so where uh, Aaron Boone came out with these comments, as well as the uh, the Blue Jays general manager said, maybe we should put everything on the table and start considering things like a seven-inning doubleheader. Or what if we get so late into the year and it's already September and we can't start a full season? What if we did a 30-team tournament and we just crown a champion that way? I'm wondering what your guys' thoughts are on this. My thought is I, I would be okay. Like, I think it's important no matter what that baseball gets played this year in some capacity. But are you guys of the mindset that the number of games is irrelevant to the sanctity of a championship? I just think that, like, if what if we hold a 30-team tournament for a month and the Mariners come out with their first ever win of a championship? It's unlikely, but would we crown them as their first World Series crown ever? Or would you guys be in favor of saying, like, well, it's the Major League Baseball Tournament of Champions for 2020, and maybe we just don't have a World Series, but we still get some baseball? Or do you think... Any baseball is okay. Any number of games is okay. Let's go crown a champion. I'm of the belief that any baseball is fine. Like, you can't – like, we've had work stoppages before. We've had shortened seasons. We've had things impact Major League Baseball, and I think this is going to be no other. I think just for historic context, you have to note, like, yeah, the season was significantly shortened due to – a worldwide pandemic. I think that makes it all the more interesting to like no one, if they do play a season, if it is a tournament to describe a championship, however the hell they're going to do it, it'll be remembered forever. Like even if you have to change things up, it will be remembered forever as the team that won in the year where the world was impacted by a worldwide pandemic. But that said, I am anti-tradition. I am not a big fan of, well, it's always been done this way, so we should do it that way. I think that's, you know, that's why people in baseball have such a hard time of accepting celebrations and things like that. Um, I just think you adapt and you play as much as you can and you do whatever you can to crown a champion. If you have time to play baseball, you should have time to plan for a World Series and crown a champion. I want as much baseball as possible personally. Like I give me as many games as possible, but to your point, if, you know, if we're playing 60 games, if it gets pushed back so far into this, into the year and they're not willing to play in November, December, because of the, the temperature at a lot of the stadiums, like if, if we're playing 60 games and let's say the Mariners make the playoffs and win it all, 
of course I'm going to feel like, yeah, they didn't really deserve it. Um, but I think the other thing too, if you're a fan, if your team wins it, it doesn't matter how short the season is. It doesn't matter how crazy everything is. You're going to say it's valid. And if the guys you don't like, if the Astros come away in 2020 winning the tournament of champions or whatever it might be, of course, there's going to be a lot of people saying it's fraudulent. It's terrible. This is awful. But if their team was the one coming away with it, they'd say, oh no, it, it counts. Yeah, all sorts of stuff on the table. So these are fun discussions to have as we start hearing more ideas come out. There's also another great article that was posted uh, today from uh, Jason Stark and Ken Rosenthal posing creative ideas for how Major League Baseball can get going with this season. So uh, good luck to everybody out there for the opening day, the opening day, the opening day that was not. But hopefully we'll get one a little later in the year and uh, we'll keep bringing you the Seamheads podcast. If you're enjoying us, we ask that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And we will talk to you guys on Monday.